0: Well, if you will, open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, and when you find Ephesians chapter 4, you can stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Ephesians chapter 4, I want to read verses 7 through 16, like most of our Lord's Day evening services. I I don't intend to do a a straight exposition of the verses that I'm going to read. I just want to use this to set in your mind a concept. And then we'll, we'll unpack this concept as we walk through. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure... so that it builds itself up in love. This is God's Word. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for Your Word. And I pray that You would bless the reading of Your Word. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that You would come and teach us again. Help us to develop a good vision of what the church should be, a good understanding, a good biblical concept of the local church, so that we might work and labor together and aspire to honor you in all that we say and all that we do in the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may have a seat. Did somebody pause that iTunes back there? Did somebody do that? Did you do that? Okay, good. Thank you. Did you pause the... Uh, yeah, pause it. My bad. See, when I start doing things where I'm not gifted, things will go awry. The primary axiom of our series. We'll start with a Q&A, a little test, a review and I don't have, uh, like we did last time, four questions, and if you answer them, then we skip. I just want to ask questions to walk through every step of this process. So someone tell me the first part, the first main focus of that, that primary axiom, the, the ology, that is the first part of it. Christology. Christology. We start with Christology, and that... Drives or influences or motivates our ecclesiology, the study of the church. Just as our Lord Jesus Christ, in his humility, displayed the glory of God on the earth through his authoritative word and powerful deeds through the power of the Holy Spirit, that's Christology, so also the local church, the mystical body of Christ, is to display the glory of God on the earth through the preaching of his authoritative word and sacrificial love through the power of that same Holy Spirit. What is then the foundational metaphor that we need to remember to keep in the back of our minds to understand the gifts, the spiritual gifts? A human body. We have this body. The local church is the body of Christ. The head of the church is who? Christ. Very good. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is an adequate and sufficient head over this body, an adequate mediator because he is both God and man. 100% God, 100% man. Now when we look at Christ's earthly ministry, someone tell me what was the focus of that earthly ministry apart from the the work of the atonement, the, the substitutionary work, perfect life, atoning death. Apart from that, what did He do? Word and deed. and deed. And the purpose was to display God's glory in His earthly ministry. Again, I'm distinguishing that from His life as a substitutionary life in the place of sinners. His active obedience, we would call that and distinguished from what we would call his passive obedience wherein he suffered in the place of sinners. Apart from that in his ministry he ministered in word and deed to display the glory of God. Now how is it then that a man remember he's a hundred percent man. How could a man do the things that Christ did? What was the power of his ministry? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit filled Christ at his baptism, and then we see in the scriptures the Holy Spirit fills him in his preaching. The Holy Spirit filled him in his mighty works. We might call them deeds of sacrificial love and mercy and these things. All right? What is the blessing of Christ's ascension? He said, It is better for you that I go. Why is it better? What's the blessing of his ascension? we receive the helper the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit was promised by Christ he said the Father will send him he said I will send him it was conditioned upon his return if I do not go then the helper cannot come therefore when I do go the helper will come and then Christ in his exaltation receives the authority to say Holy Spirit go and the Holy Spirit is given to men now here I want to recap what we studied a little in a little more detail. The Holy Spirit, His work in general, based on the words of Christ, when the Holy Spirit comes, His duty is to bear witness about Christ. First and foremost, the Holy Spirit's job is to exalt the risen Christ in our minds, in our thinking, and in our hearts, in our affections. Whenever you have a, a, a worshipful thought or a, a time of adoration of Christ, that's the Holy Spirit working in you. He will exalt Christ, bear witness about Christ. He will guide us into all truth. He will glorify Christ. He will give us power. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. According to the words of the Apostle Paul, we know that the Holy Spirit is the active agent who progressively sanctifies us. He is the one who makes us more and more into the image of God. Beholding the glory of God, we, or the, the glory shining in the face of Jesus, we are transformed from glory to glory, or from one state of glory to another state of glory. And Paul says, and this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit seals us for salvation. He causes us to sing. He gives us thankful hearts, creates humble hearts. If we wanted to tie this into this morning, if we have any, any inclination toward gospel giving, that is the Holy Spirit working that in us. And then we looked at the various names of the Spirit and the various operations. And remember that all of that was a part of His work from the very beginning. Nothing's changed. he done that in Adam, in Eve, in... in Abel, all throughout the Old Covenant and into the New Covenant, the Holy Spirit does that work. So what then is the, the new work of the Holy Spirit and the saints? Well, it seems to be that he's, He places us into a, a visible, a outwardly discernible body. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 In one spirit you were baptized into one body and then as he takes those parts of the body and hooks them to the body he then gives life to those various parts of the body. You know, very often in transplant scenarios uh, an organ can be transplanted but then there's a time where you have to wait and see is this body going to receive this part? Or is it going to reject this body part? Or when... Christ takes apart and puts it into a body. He fills it with life and it immediately connects with the rest of the body. He fills us with the peace of Christ and the word of Christ. These things help us to associate and relate with the rest of the body. Then last week we looked even more in depth at what we call the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This The idea here is that the Holy Spirit doesn't just regenerate us, but He actually settles down and and we have the continual presence of the Holy Spirit within our soul. He stays. He provides a constant flow of grace. Or we could say graces. He gives various graces. And inasmuch as we participate in both public and private means of grace we will be regularly filled with those graces. Again, the primary means, as a Christian, the primary way you're going to get grace in sanctification and growth is not by yourself. Any more than a hand chopped off from the body is going to to receive the benefits of the body. That's not how the Christian life is lived. That is a part of it, but that's not the primary means. You must participate both in private and public. I do believe the public means of grace are the primary means. And that's where we were, are filled with the graces of the Holy Spirit. He settles down within us as individuals, but then He, is, he, is, he, he does His work as we are connected with the body. And then we looked at the gift-giving Spirit. This is part of the indwelling spirit. Spirit. The Holy Spirit apportions to each believer a manifestation of His own power for the common good of the church body. We saw last week the source of the gifts is God Himself, the Father being the source, the Son having been given authority upon His resurrection, and then the Spirit is the means within us. The source of the gifts is God. We saw that these gifts differ To each is given a manifestation of the gift of the Spirit for the common good." So everybody gets different gifts. Now, two people might have the same sort of gift, but in each individual it's still going to be different in a body. Everyone gets a different gift. And we saw last week, God is sovereign over the gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. God gives as He pleases. Don't complain because you have one gift and someone else has another gift. Receive what God has given and use it. So, now we need to ask this question What is the goal of the gifts? If you have a gift, why do you have it? Now, we we alluded to it last week and we're going to unpack it a little more this week. The answer, simply put, is the edification of the body. And so if you're Taking notes, this would be Roman numeral 10 or capital letter X, the purpose of the gifts. Why do we have spiritual gifts? Everybody wants to know what their gift is. Everybody wants to take a spiritual gift test and find out what their spiritual gifts are. But why? Why do we have gifts? And again, we alluded to it last week. Before we can even begin to understand the specific gifts, We'll go through every one of them that, that are named in Scripture. We'll unpack what does it mean and, and how does it work in the body and what does what the person actually do to, to, to exercise his gift. But before we can understand any of that, we as a church have to be absolutely convinced that the gifts have been given to us by God according to His sovereign choice a portion to each saint differently for the common good of the body that is the local church you don't get a spiritual gift for you that's why paul kept saying your your use of the gifts of tongues get it doesn't get a different gift or find somebody with a different gift it's better that you build up the body we'll look at some of those passages It's not for personal growth. If God has given you the gift of of wisdom and you have this gift where you can look at Scripture and you can read the truth and you can automatically see, I know how this will apply to my life tomorrow. That's not for you. That's not just for you. It is so you can learn that and then bring it into the body and share it. It is for the edification of the body. Again, we could go back... To what we talked about this morning and, and giving. Our, our mentality with regard to, to how we function in society as Christians is not individualistic, it is corporate. We're a part of a body. There's no such thing as a Christian separated from a body. And we might like to run to scripture and say, well, the Apostle Paul is in prison. Well, he was after he was sent out by the church of Antioch, did a missionary journey, came back to give his report at his church at Antioch, and then was sent out and imprisoned later. Even the Apostle Paul and and, and all of the saints in Scripture are joined to local bodies. And so we have to understand that our gifts are given for the common good of the body. But what does that mean? What do I mean when I say the common good? Well, let's, let's unpack that. First... Again, this is sort of recapping from last week. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll read verse 7. We'll be in 1 Corinthians for a, a few minutes. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. There we have the truth stated clearly. Why do we have gifts? For the common good. Each individual believer is given an explicit demonstration of the existence and power of the Holy Spirit and it is given for the common good. The word common good there is one word, Sumferon. It means literally for the collective bearing up of each other. The common good to, to bear up or to carry. So each of you have been given a gift of the Spirit so that we might mutually together carry one another spiritually we're we're carrying imagine all of us have everybody else on our shoulders all the time we're we're bearing one another up so there it is stated very clearly very simply it is for the common good the common good Sumferon, we we sort of hear in that word symphony that 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 united work okay now we can see the truth elaborated upon a little bit more in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians and we have to be careful when we use 1 Corinthians as a, a, a straight, didactic instruction manual on the spiritual gifts. Remember, they had many problems. The reason he's writing to them is because they had no idea what they were doing. So he's trying to clarify a lot, but we, we look at where he clarifies, and that's where we learn. So we see the truth elaborated upon 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12. So you yourselves, or so with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, that's the gifts, each of you have been given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Work hard to build up the church. See, they were under the impression that these, these gifts of, especially these ecstatic gifts like speaking in tongues, were the greatest gifts because they, were, they had the most show. But that's not what he's saying. He says, you want gifts, you, you want to have manifestations of the Spirit. Work for building up the church. Excel in building up the church. Look at verse 26 of the same chapter. First Corinthians 14 and verse 26. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. There we have that same term, building up. This is our new information. We've seen the truth stated. It is for the common good. Here we learn it is for the building up. That's our new phrase, building up. And this is a construction term. Now think of construction and how this would work. If you are on a construction site Everybody there, everyone who shows up, every crew, the the plumbing crew, the electrical crew, the, the framing crew, the roofing crew, we're all under the assumption that there is a blueprint somewhere, somebody's got a blueprint, and we're all looking at the same blueprint, and we're all... Working toward the end goal of that blueprint. We want to get to to maybe the, the first page or the last page. Whichever page shows that building done, we all want to get there. So we're working toward that common good to bring the project to completion. And so if one sees that a window frame is unfinished and that's his job, well, he's going to go work on the window frame to get that finished. If one sees a screw hole In the sheetrock, and that's his job. He's going to go, and he's going to put mud over that hole, and he's going to finish that hole in the sheetrock. We might look over and see two men who are standing and working and trying to decipher the blueprints. We've got an issue here. What's going on here? There's something strange here. How is that wall going to work in in that corner with, with the measurements that are given. How is this going to work? How is this going to meet code? And they they put their minds together and they figure it out and then they, they relay the information. They've looked at the blueprints and they then explain that to the framing crew. Okay, we're going to have to make a change to the, the blueprints here. So we're going to work around this, just, just pull this wall out here or whatever the case may be. But that's the picture. We have this body of Christ which we call the church. And we have been given... And this is why we looked at Christology first. We've been given a picture, a blueprint of Christ's ministry on the earth. He's displaying the word or the the glory of God in word and deed. We've looked at it, and we know as a body, that's what we're after. That's the goal. That's the blueprint. And so then we all begin to work together. To that end. We all begin to work together doing our part to display the glory of God in word and deed. So what do I mean when I say, or what does Paul mean when he says, for the common good? He means we're all working together to get the project completed. Okay, now. We see a a little more specific application. We're going further and further into this. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. We'll, We'll look at verse 11 again in just a moment, but for now, verse 10, a specific application. We've seen the truth stated clearly. Each has been given a manifestation for the common good. We've seen it elaborated upon. The common good means the building up of the church. And now we see a specific application. 1 Peter 4.10 As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So within this verse we see several points of study that we've looked at already. First, there, there is God's varied grace. He's given everyone varied grace. Varied gifts. Grace gifts. Everybody has one. As each has received a gift... Our duty, as we get it, is to steward it well, just like our finances. God's given you a gift. The goal now, steward it well. Use it well. You're not going to give an account for what you have not been given, but you will give an account for how you used what you have been given. So it is our job to steward God's varied grace. And what does that look like? We use it, we use that grace gift to serve one another to serve one another we use our specific gifts to serve that is to take care of to wait upon to attend to to meet the needs of the other members of the body now when we hear those that terminology serve wait upon attend meet the needs of we immediately begin to think of physical things is somebody sick we got to serve them, come, come to their bedside and give them food, give them water. There are physical aspects to these uh, to this service, but this is also spiritual, looking at each other, noticing spiritual things and coming alongside one another to serve, to wait upon, to attend, to meet the needs, the spiritual needs of one another. So what do I mean? What does it mean? that we work for the common good, to build the body. Here it is. It means you use your specific manifestation of the Holy Spirit's power, your gift, in conjunction with that, the gifts of everybody else as the means through which the Holy Spirit does His work in each individual believer, thus strengthening the body as a whole. Everybody has a grace gift. Everybody uses their grace gift for everybody else, and that way everybody is getting all of the grace gifts all the time. See, does that make sense? It's, it's just a, you imagine a, a picture, and everyone's standing in a circle, and everyone has a line drawn from them to everybody else. And then this member, aligned to everyone, and you're all working crisscross, using your gifts, communicating the varied grace of God to each believer. That's why sanctification and our growth in grace can't happen alone. It can't happen apart from the church because if you're by yourself, you've got your gift. You don't have all the other gifts. Maybe that gift is wisdom. That's a good gift to have alone. You can read the scriptures and learn a lot, but you're not going to receive gifts of, of helping or of leadership or some of the other gifts. You have to have all of the gifts. That's how we get the, the uh, manifold work of the Spirit to the individual is when all of the other believers are using their gifts for the body. So you exercise your spiritual gift in the Spirit's power. Your gift is added to my gift, is added to everybody else's gift. They all work together, and the Holy Spirit uses all of the combined gifts to strengthen the graces in each individual. And the strengthened individuals get together, and what are we? We're the church. We're the local body. And so we have a strengthened body. Just like a strong hand will work to make a strong arm, will work to make a strong shoulder, will work, work to, to, to provide the, the vital organs... Now, what what do these things require? If all of this is going to work properly, think about what this requires. This requires that we will all have a unified understanding of the end goal. This is a part of where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in their midst. If you agree on earth about anything, I will answer it. That's the idea here. We have to agree. We have to all work off of the same blueprints. If everybody's working on different blueprints, you're going to have a disaster. So we have to all be in agreement as to what the local church is, what our goal is, and what we're doing. So it requires that we understand the end goal. It also requires that we be clear on what our gift is. If plumbers start working on sheetrock, you're going to have a problem plumbers don't know how to use power tools you're gonna have an issue there if plumbers start working on if anybody if anybody starts working on electrical work you're gonna have problems okay you have to be clear on what your gift is if you're not gifted as a preacher don't preach you gotta know it you gotta say hey not my gift you have to be ready if your gift is teaching then you got to know it and use it. Don't be afraid. Use the gift. But you got to be clear on what your gift is. And that's what we're going to look at in the weeks to come. This also requires that we be able to look around. I believe this will be some of the, the special giftedness of some people to look around the church and locate needs. We have to be so consumed with the proper display of the glory of God and the ministry of the church that areas of failure and shortcomings and blind spots are addressed. We have to be so consumed with the glory of God displayed on the earth through the church. We have to want that more than, more than, well, man, what's she gonna think if I go and say this to her? What's what's he gonna think? I'm I'm afraid of how he might respond. That's gotta be done away with. We speak the truth in love but we exercise our gifts and if we see areas that need to be addressed, we go to them and we, we address them. We're all working off the same blueprints. We're all doing our job. And we're all looking constantly for something that needs to be done. Some, perhaps you have a gift of mercy. You're probably going to be one of the first ones to notice somebody who's, who's... They're not associating like normal. Their face is just... Their face is fallen. They don't look right. Something is wrong here. The way she's speaking is not, not good. I need to go and talk to her you're going to know, or he. So, the purpose of the gifts, to build the body for the common good. All right, we'll move to the next heading, and tonight we're just going to look at two. The next heading, number 10, Roman numeral, I mean number 11, Roman numeral XI, the method for mutual edification the method for mutual edification. Now we see that the goal is the building up of the body. The goal is that every member gets what he or she needs from every other member working together so that all of the members get all of what they need so that when we all come together, we have a healthy functioning body. That's the goal. The mutual edification of the saints. But what exactly are we to do? That's what we want to know, right? Like, what what do I do? Just tell me what to do. We've been, we're on heading number 11. We've probably been going at this for six or seven weeks or more. What do I do? What is the biblical method for this work? The easy answer is exercise your gift. Exercise your gift in a more general sense. What should we expect to be doing for each other? We do what Christ did. What did Christ do in his earthly ministry? He displayed the glory of God in word and deed. What do we do? We display the glory of God in word and deed. How do we help one another? Word and deed. Word and deed. Look with me again at 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11 this time. We see the principle that I'm trying to get across stated here. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And then he goes on to sort of unpack what this will look like. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks, the or- speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Notice here, the verse we just read about the gifts. We all have received a gift. We use that gift to serve one another. We're doing that so that we would be good stewards of His varied grace. And then notice how he unpacks that. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. What is that? Is that a word gift or a deed gift? Word. Word. These are word gifts. He says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. That is the words or the sayings of God. God. So the gift being described here is the category, I would say, of the word gifts, the speaking gifts. If you have that gift, the way you exercise it is not through worldly psychology. It's not through pop psychology. It's not through the latest poll or the latest statistics. The way you exercise your gift is to take the word of God and apply it to the situations and the needs of your church body. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God... And then he says, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength God supplies. You think that's a word gift or a deed gift? Deeds. We might say love. I think I might use the category of love gifts in the future. We have word gifts and love gifts. They're all done out of love, so maybe deeds better. Deed gifts. This word serves, whoever serves, is the same word we saw before. It means to minister to meet the needs of, to attend to someone. And if you have one of those gifts, you don't just do it because you like it. You don't just go in your own strength and and you're just trying to to be nice to people. No, you do it by the strength God gives. That's Holy Spirit power when you're serving. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength God supplies. I, I think the... It seems the point there is, is not necessarily in what you're doing, but how you do it. If you're going to do it, do it by the strength God supplies. If you're going to speak, speak the Word of God. Don't bring, don't bring human natural instincts and skills into the body. You Do it with the Word of God and in the strength of God. So I do believe there we have our two categories of gifts. Word gifts and deed gifts. We speak the Word of God. And then we serve in the power of God. And notice in that verse, 1 Peter four, eleven. In order that... Here's the goal. Here's the purpose. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Now remember... When Jesus ministered, how did he do it? In word and deed, and his goal was to display the glory of God. Here we minister in word and deed in order that God may be glorified. We are doing it to the glory and for the glory of God, to display the glory of God. But notice, through Jesus Christ. How How does Jesus Christ get glory? Or I should say, how is God glorified through Jesus Christ when we minister to each other in word and deed? Think about it. It's His, we're His body. It's His spirit. So as the body of Jesus Christ ministers in word and deed, God gets glory through Christ because we speak the Word of God and we do it through the power of God. And so there on the earth where we have a a truly biblically ordered local church, there we have the body of Christ ministering, operating, serving, preaching in the power of God and God constantly receives glory as uh, the church displays that glory on earth. And we do that to each other. Notice we're we're not yet talking about reaching outside of the body. And that's why I I read the passage at the beginning with the emphasis that I I did. We do it, the power comes from Christ and the members of the body work so that the body builds itself up. Um, Injections, steroids, things like that, those are not healthy for the body to build it up. The healthiest thing a body can do is to work out itself. You lift the weights yourself and let your body work you out. You see, or, or you eat healthy food and let your body do what it's supposed to do with healthy food. It's it's not, we're not bringing outside things. We're bringing the, the body itself filled with the Spirit builds itself up and all of that is from Christ. That's the purpose of, of that passage in Ephesians 4. So there we have that Principle stated very clearly. I think that's one of the clearest passages in the New Testament. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, God's power in us in word and deed. But then we can also see it specifically delineated. We have word-specific gifts. We might be wondering, what are the methods of using the Word in the body? Usually when we hear that, we think of preaching. That's all we think of, preaching. It's, it's only preaching. We, we think that there is only one gift in the body where someone takes the Scriptures and, and serves the body, but that's not so. 1 Corinthians 14. Turn back there. And I think our experience should, should prove this. I hope it does. First Corinthians 14, 26. We read this already. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Notice the, those things. Again, the Corinthian church was confused... They had a lot of a lot of confusion. But they were all bringing these things. A hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. What are those? Those are all speaking gifts. They're all things that come out of your mouth. A hymn, that is a psalm. A lesson, that's a teaching, a doctrine. Now, that could be preaching, but maybe it's not. A revelation, of course, in, in the time of the church of Corinth here. There there could have been direct divine revelation coming through apostolic uh, preachers. A tongue, of course, a revelation in an unknown language, and then an interpretation would be someone who could interpret that language who had never heard that language, and they would interpret it. These are all word gifts. There are various examples, and the point is that that Paul's making is the church is coming together. Everybody's bringing all of these different kinds of word gifts. Gifts. It's not just the one person in the church who stands and preaches. There are many ways that we could use these word gifts to the edification of the church. With these type of gifts, those who are gifted will open up or they will use the Scriptures as the means to encourage, exhort, rebuke, teach, or evangelize those in the assembly. If you have these gifts, you could do all of these things. You might be one gifted to take the Scriptures and address a particular sin in someone's life. Maybe you are gifted with exhortation and you can come along people and really encourage struggling Christians, but you do it from the Word. Or maybe there are areas of laziness or failure and you just, you have that burden and so you come along with the Scriptures and you you point it out to the individual, maybe to the body, Again, we'll look at specifics on these gifts later, but there are many ways that the body can take these word gifts. You're gifted in unpacking and understanding the Scriptures in a way that's going to help other people that they're not gifted in. Now, we should all, to an extent, be able to read and and understand the Scriptures, but there will be some who are gifted. It just comes to them, the Holy Spirit fills them, and they can use that gift and stab into someone's heart, whatever the case may be, and that person is built up. That person is edified and strengthened. So those are, that's a, an example of a, a word-specific gifts or the word-specific gifts. For deed-specific gifts, turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Usually we, we are so individualistic, we read the first two verses and we stop. And we think that our whole duty is to present my body as a living sacrifice to God. And that has nothing to do with anyone else. But when we look at verse 3, and in my Bible it says gifts of grace. He immediately goes into the gifts of the body. And here in verse 4 he says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Now let's see if, as I read this, see if you can decipher, is this a word gift or a deed gift? If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So we have these deed-specific gifts. Service. One who contributes. That's sometimes called the gift of giving, generosity. Um, Acts of mercy. Someone sometimes called the gift of mercy. Do it with cheerfulness. Uh, The one who leads, sometimes called the gift of administration, sometimes that might be um, a, a mixture of both word and deed. You're able to take the word and then orchestrate the body. You don't have to turn to these. Galatians 6, 2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. They're writing to that church. Galatians 6, 9, and 10, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, that's a general statement, but these passages could be multiplied ad nauseum. Every time in the New Testament you read God saying, or or, uh, an epistle written, inspired by the Spirit, to a church saying, do this, and it it is not specifically a preaching or a teaching gift, It's, it's a different gift. Now, maybe... Again, all believers have these varied graces that we will use to an extent. You don't have the excuse of saying, well, my gift is preaching, and so I'm not showing mercy on anybody. A merciless preacher, no one wants to hear. But there are those gifted specifically in these areas. So every time you read of someone being commanded to do something good, there will be someone gifted to do that that specifically. These are deeds that we are supposed to carry out in the body. Every time the Scripture exhorts us to love and good deeds within the context of the church, those are areas where the gifted will excel in showing the Spirit's power. Some people will say, man, that was, that was nice of him. Other people will say, wow, what a servant. I've never been served that way. I, 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 I don't know how to express it. Some people would say, yeah, "It was pretty smart. It's cool that he noticed that." Others will say, "When he started reading the scriptures and explaining, I, I was—it was the Spirit of God speaking." You see, there's a difference between what we're all expected to do with our varied, uh, with the graces of the Spirit, and then there are those who are gifted, where you know that that was God at work in the body. So to summarize, the Holy Spirit of God at the moment of regeneration, comes in to dwell in the heart of each believer. And the Holy Spirit apportions to each believer a manifestation of his own power for the common good of the church body. The gifts apportioned to each individual working in unison in the church... Administer to each individual and the body as a whole the totality of the Holy Spirit's ministry through word and deed. And when that happens, the whole church will now be functioning to display the glory of God in word and deed. We would be doing what Christ did in His earthly ministry. Now, some more Q&A.